0: Welcome, welcome to Conversations in Compassion, a podcast by Dignity May, a program of Agape, and made possible by the contributions to Agape. Thank you. This is a different podcast. Instead of interviews, we have conversations. This is my attempt to demonstrate examples of what I call compassion conversation. through these conversations, I hope to address the discord in our families, in our communities, and in ourselves, and finally, to focus on the greatest need of our time, the need for compassion. Tom, thank you. Thank you for doing this uh, with me. I, I know that uh, The last decade or so, you've invested yourself in uh, boys to men. I'd really love to have a conversation about boys, men, and fathers in celebration of Father's Day. Uh, And just your perspective of what you've learned, what you've seen, what you've heard as you've been sort of sitting as the president, but also just engaged in this process.
1: Yeah, it's an interesting time in our lives. Um, as I was saying earlier, when um, I go back 25, 30 years when I was a new father. And um, so it's, it's, uh, it's been an interesting journey. And, uh, and now that I've been involved uh, for quite some time as chair of the board for Maine Boys to Men, now actually just transitioning off, um, it's sort of an inflection point for me to sort of think about things a little bit differently and and with new experiences. So it's, uh yeah, it's an interesting opportunity to have this conversation. So I thank you.
0: Well, You said something beautiful, you, you know, as I re- reflect, as I step away uh, at this point in my life. Uh, I'm curious about
1: some of those things you reflect upon. Well, that's a great question, Stephen. Um I think you always question or reflect upon your role as a dad. Um, you know, and I think it's the single most important thing that I can do in my life. Um, I remember hearing it, it probably came from you, but uh, this just is such an insightful statement that the most important thing you can do for your children is to love their mother. You know, and I, and I think that's really critical, but it's probably not enough. Um and so, you know, now that I'm stepping off the board from Main Boys to Men, it's given me an opportunity to, um, you know, reflect on my role as a parent, my role as a husband, my role as a father, uh, and my role in leading the organization of Main Boys to Men to trying to increase the awareness that boys are struggling um, mm-hmm. and women are paying the price for it, and so you know, the mission for Maine boys to men is not to necessarily make boys better because that's not the problem. The problem is the culture that we create. Um, and I know you and I've had conversations in the past, but you know, I, like a lot of uh, men grew up in a pretty toxic culture of, of demeaning women, you know, whether it was my dad inadvertently, you know, or, uh, coaches or brothers or friends who just said, you know, don't be a girl, don't be a sissy. And, and and the implication, at least I thought, Stephen, was that don't be sensitive, don't be thoughtful, don't be kind, don't be compassionate. And so hopefully that message is changing. And that's something that I feel like I've been committed to for quite some time, um, not only as a dad, but also in main Boys to Men, uh, in trying to educate men and develop boys into men that are healthy emotionally and intellectually and, in, and every which way.
0: You, you've... Uh you could see the cultural context of the messages and how powerful they were and how they just keep going from generation to generation, creating this toxicity, and particularly in relationships, uh, relationships between men and men, between men and women in our culture. And uh, you've been invested in that, uh, trying to shift that to say that men are compassionate. Men exactly. are of heart. Men are of generosity, uh, of empathy.
1: They are, yeah. And, and again, I may have been you that told me this, but I just think it's so true, is that you just need to be more of who you are, mm. you know, and that you are basically a good, kind, compassionate, caring person. And you've got to sort of um, shut out those messages that you need to be something other than that. And it's just, it just breaks my heart to see the messages that are being uh, spoken or being conveyed to boys, you know, as early as, and we, we're we starting to do training and we've been trained in high school for quite some time. And now we've seen the need in middle school, but we were getting requests now from schools to start in elementary school mm-hmm. where these messages are just, you know, infiltrating these kids at a younger and younger age, whether it's through the schools or whether it's through coaches or whether it's through media or uh, the violence that is perpetrated and and just in films, is just so devastating and so destructive. Yeah, and there's, uh, there's an evolution
0: of of felt sense. So the the violence of uh, movies and the violence of in the community has actually gotten loud, louder. Um, in an effort to impact people, that they're looking for that kind of felt sense of "ooh, this is higher," right? And so it it leads into more violence.
1: I think if I understand what you're saying, is you're, you're spot on. Is they have to increase, keep increasing the volume mm. because there's so many matches out there that the only way to get your attention is to be more violent or be louder. You know. Yeah, for that for that movie to sell,
0: or for exactly. that book to sell, or for it's got to be more. Sexual. It's got to be more violent. It's got to be more toxic. And then it, it, it evokes something in somebody. And, and you're trying as, a, as an organization, but also as a man just in the world to set a, let's question that.
1: Mm-hmm. Push back. Yeah. Yeah. And that we don't have to accept that. Um, yeah. Um, there's so much work that's being done in this area. And unfortunately, there's so much more work to be done. Um, and it's just, it breaks my heart to see what kind of progress we've made and to think that our organization, Main Voice to Men, will never be out of business. I mean, in a perfect world, we're put out of business, you know, because we're not needed. But, you know, we're getting calls and requests for, uh, training from literally all over the world. Um, there was an article in the Guardian a couple of years ago, um, about main Voice to Men. And as a result of that article, and partly from other things that we've been doing, we've gotten requests from as far away as South Korea, South Africa, Germany, uh, India's reached out to us, not to mention all parts of the country. And so, you know, for all the work that we're doing, the, the demand for this work is is just unsatiated. It's just, it's it's greater and greater all the time, which is just it breaks my heart because you think that we're making progress, and we probably are. And it's probably a little bit of pulling back the bed covers, and you're you're, you're not seeing necessarily more violence. There's not necessarily more violence. You're just being aware that there's more violence, um, and there's there's more of a less. There's less of an acceptance of it, which is a good thing. Well, you can feel there's both going on. You can feel
0: that there's more violence going on. There's more. Toxicity and in in, in all aspects of our lives, and then their fathers investing more time in their children's lives. They're showing up more. They know that there's something about the relationship that really matters.
1: I hope so. You know, I I hope so.
0: And, And what do you what do you think that is? What do you think it matters
1: as a dad? Well, that's a tough question, Stephen. Um, I think that one of the things you told me 25 or 30 years ago, which I think is just so compelling, is that the biggest determinant of a child's success in school is whether the father shows up or not. You know, and I thought that doesn't make sense. No, you know, why would that be important? And the reason you explained to me at the time is that is because fathers aren't showing up. And so, by virtue of the fact that the father shows up, the kid realizes, "Wow, this school must be important if Dad's here." Which is just so un- unfortunate that that's the the underlying message. Um, but I just think that you know that message I heard 25 or 30 years ago, before I was a dad. That message is being repeated over and over again by you, by me, by Main Voice to Men, and and unfortunately the toxic, toxicity um, of male violence is so pervasive that, that created the Me Too movement that there's just an increased awareness of the importance that men play in in developing healthy children. And, and it's not the, the mother's responsibility, it's the dad's responsibility, if not equally, possibly even more so, if not only equally, possibly more so. So I think that there's some... In, I want to hope, Stephen, that there's some increased awareness on behalf of fathers. And I think it's because of people like you that are getting that message out on a more regular basis that is eventually be, going to be heard. You know, and, and hopefully Maine Boys to Men is part of that message in getting the message to um, kids in school that it's not okay to be disrespectful to women or to girls. And that you have to treat people differently, kindly, more compassionate, more thought. I love
0: that, you know, just more kindly more compassionate, more thoughtfulness. There's a a real huge dilemma here, isn't there? Because these messages keep coming. They actually get stronger. And you have this message of compassion. It's an education. How do we sustain it? How do we even begin to sustain it? Because education, four-hour workshop, an eight-hour workshop, actually shows to have very little impact against the wave, if you will, the Sasami of, of this message that says that as a man, you don't matter, that you're not lovable, and that the world is not to be trusted.
1: Yeah, you know, I don't know how you sustain it other than just keep putting one foot in front of the other and trying to do more education, more training. But you're you're spot on that a two-hour workshop or a six-hour workshop isn't going to make a big difference. But I think that if you keep putting one foot in front of the other and keep doing that training and it becomes part of the culture of the school that these kids are in. that the, I mean, one of my big pushes is to do more work around coaches mm. uh, because mm. I know growing up um, playing sports, I really listen to my coaches. And, and again, as I mentioned earlier, is like I was brought up in the culture of don't be a girl, don't be a sissy, don't be a wuss. You know, and if we can, you know, kids really look up to their coaches. I think they look up to their teachers, but they really look up to their coaches. They're really the mentors, the leaders. And so, if we can change that culture, um, and and maybe it's hard to change the culture for the kids themselves, but if we can change the message that the adults are giving to the kids. You know, um, I remember hearing that, you know, somebody was walking along a beach throwing back clams into the ocean and somebody said, why are you even bothering? There's gazillions of clams and it doesn't make a difference. And the guy said, well, it makes a difference for that one clam. You know, so it is a frustrating experience because you don't always feel like you're making as much of a difference as you like, but the alternative is to not to try. So I do, I am hopeful. I mean, the number of kids that we reach out to now is more than the previous 10 years combined. Mm. So, mm. you know, I think we've seen enough research from the work that we're doing that we do, we are changing attitudes. We are changing the culture a little bit. And one of the big pushes from Maine Boys to Men training is bystander intervention. So it's not just changing your attitude, but giving boys and men the courage to step in where they see an environment that's not, that, that is toxic, that is not healthy. and. It's hard, but it's all you can do, you know, and just one step at a time and, and um, and trying to make a difference where you can.
0: Yeah. To that one (laughs) clam.
1: Exactly.
0: Exactly.
1: So, so there's
0: a, you you talked about coaching and athletics and that kind of thing. And, and, and that young boys, uh, because we're talking about boys, men, and fathers, uh, you know, look up to their coaches. There's a fundamental problem in, Even in athletics, there's a winner and a loser. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And then somehow you're celebrated if you're a winner. And that's a power over. And that power over goes into relationships. Exactly. It goes into the relationship between myself and my partner.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: It goes into the relationship between me and my children. I mean, what do we, I mean, fundamentally, we put emphasis on things that are actually increasing power over.
1: Yeah, that's that's a really interesting observation um, because there are winners and losers, you know, and it's, I think it's a little bit how you win and how you lose and and I think competition is fine, um, but I think if it's at the expense of somebody feeling good about themselves, um you know, then it's not healthy. Um, my wife is a big component that every game should end in a tie. You know, and I think, well, I wasn't raised that way, and I'm not <laughs> sure it necessarily has to be that way. But I remember reading a study somewhere that said, you know, when schools compete against each other, they create more toxicity, more competitors, more hurt. But if they can work together, um, so like if two schools can work together on a project, then they tone down that competitiveness and they pick up the, the cooperation. Um, so yeah, I, and, and that becomes the focus
0: In, you know, right now, all the dominant processes around that winning and losing. And as your sweet wife would say, <laughs> there is no, there are very few ties. Exactly. And there's very few places where there's a collaboration going on. You know, there that even even the classroom is not edu- is, is not collaborative. It's grades. And grades means something else, that means something else. That's all about power. Well exactly.
1: Green more competitiveness more, I'm better than, you're worse than.
0: Yeah, and, and we've some pretty horrible stats when it comes to boys, to men, to fathers. Horrible. I mean, we filled up prisons. Absolutely. 95% of the people sitting in prison in the United States. And that growing, that population Absolutely. is growing.
1: Oh, you look at the suicide rate, You look at the graduation rates. They're all trending in the wrong way. They're trending in the right way, but they all negatively, they negatively reflect on the health of, and emotional health of, of men and boys, for sure.
0: And we, you know, what I've been, one of the causes I've been dealing with is this opiate epidemic and, you know, the people that are on the other side of that overdose are generally men. Yeah, absolutely. And boys. Yeah, it's tragic. You know, and so something, I mean, I do appreciate the one muscle at a time, but something fundamentally is still missing in the culture.
1: Yeah, it's, you know, it's the old, a uh, little bit of chicken and the egg um, syndrome. It's like, how do you break that cycle? Mm-hmm. Um, again, one of the workshops that we run is a boot camp for new dads. And so we're trying to reach out to dads that have never been fathers before. And, um, you know, so that trying to break the cycle that way, you know, or, you know, we've been doing the training for middle school, high school, and now middle school, now there's a demand for us to reach to the elementary school and, and get younger kids to understand that that's important to do. The thing that i found a little frustrating with our boot camp for new dads is that, you know, I went to one quite a while ago as it was at Mercy Hospital and there were like eight or 10, you know, young adults that were there, they were expecting their first child. And I remember so clearly there was one, I want to say kid, he was probably 19. And, and so we went around and said, why are you here? And he said, I'm here because my girlfriend's expecting our first child. And I am absolutely clueless as to what to do and I need help. And my thinking at the time was like, you're going to be fine. By virtue of the fact that you're here, you are going to be fine because you care enough. You know, I worry about the people that aren't there, that aren't getting the training, that aren't getting the support, that aren't getting the mentoring. Um, and, you know, how do you reach those people? It's, it's, it's a really difficult situation.
0: And, and I really thank you for that because, yeah, he, he's taken a step. Exactly. And, and what he's saying is the last generation did not train me.
1: Uh, and he knows it and most people don't know that they don't know
0: and that when he gets tense with his child he is literally and honestly going to go back to what he was trained absolutely and that then he's going to feel ashamed of that
1: mm-hmm. absolutely and that and just perpetuates it for him and for his child
0: exactly because then they'll take hesitation they'll step back they'll st- they'll let the mother take responsibility. Absolutely. And either pro- then they'll go back to the original rules: protect, provide, and perform.
1: Mm-hmm. And 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 drop out, drop away. Don't don't participate in that child's education or upbringing. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, right, yeah. Don't walk into the elementary school and read to the kids.
1: Exactly. Don't show up.
0: Right. And if you yeah. don't show up for them. You know, and you let the women show up at 97% of the volunteers in elementary schools in this country are women. And we know that if men showed up to read, to sit in the classroom, not to be put out there to do athletics, that we could make a substantial difference. Exactly. Except one small problem. When the man walks into a school, they look at him suspiciously. What do we do with that
1: well you're asking big questions you know how do you change the tide um again i think it's one clam at a time um you know so that first father who walks in maybe creates some suspicion and the second father that walks in maybe there's a little less Mm. you know and and there's a certain acceptance to being you know the third or fourth that's not there when you're the first Mm. so you know it, it it's it's hard to break the cycle um, but you, you you start with you know kids that are going to be there you know or, or young adults that are going to be dad for the first time you, you you work with elementary school kids and, and, and kids before that to, to understand what it means to be respectful um and it it's it's a long arduous process but the alternative is not to try it Exactly. Know, not to work on this. And I think that you are definitely committed to this. And, uh, I think there are a lot of really important people that are, I mean, just by virtue of the fact that you're doing these podcasts, Stephen, is just huge. Um, because it's just one more message that's getting out there that it's okay to be compassionate. It's okay to be sensitive. It's okay to be kind. I mean, kindness is almost one of my most important words that I run into. Cause I just think it's such a simple quality to have, and it's so missing in our culture today, you know, and it, and, and that reflects the toxic culture that we have. And, it, it, you know, I find myself not being as kind as I would like to be, and it drives me crazy because it's, it's, it's contagious. If I'm a little kinder, whether I'm driving my car or standing in line, it, it has a pervasive impact on the people that I'm around. Because mm-hmm. um, I know I'm impacted by, by kindness from other people, and it's so simple and something that everybody can do. Just be a little kinder everywhere. It's not asking for too much. And, and if men are kinder to the other
0: boys in their lives as fathers, but also just as men, they're teaching kindness. Absolutely. There's something about not teaching people to be kind, but being
1: kind. Absolutely. And because being kind to yourself too, you know, and being more forgiving and more compassionate towards yourself. Cause I think, you know, people are in need of self kindness of self acceptance. Um, and I think once you start feeling a little bit about, better about yourself, it's easier to be a little kinder to others, a little bit more compassionate, a little bit more caring to show up more often.
0: Yeah. I really appreciate that. You know, those things, self-compassion, self-kindness yeah. and, and, I've always thought about like, how do you get there? If you grew up in a world, where it was highly competitive. It was win lose. It was a be independent. Don't feel, don't trust, you know which are the messages that you that you're trying to deal with,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, and and if you leak out of that, that somebody will come along and judge you harshly. Mm-hmm. That you're being a sissy,
1: mm-hmm.
0: or that worse and even more worse, you're gay. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know that that there's a name calling, um, or there's an eye shift, or there's something that says you're out of the box, you're out of the man box. Mm-hmm. And you're just trying very hard to create an organization that says there's more to life than the man box. Mm-hmm. And, and you're, uh, you're frozen with, we can teach, but how do we actually do it? How do we move it from awareness into action? Cause there's a giant gap there. There's a giant gap.
1: Yeah. Um, I think if you can change the paradigm so that being kind is more accepted, Mm. then people will be more likely to be kind. Um, You know, I think that a lot of people, a lot of men don't inherently feel good about themselves, you know? And so I remember growing up thinking that I was less than because I that my friends treat me that way or with my daughters that um, they were made fun of in school. And and my message to them is that's not reflective of you. It's reflective of them, Mm, mm. you know? And so um, I think if you can change, and obviously it's a, it's a, it's a tidal wave shift. It's um, that, so that people feel better about themselves, then winning is less important. Mm. um being dominant is less important because they're not getting those um strong messages from the outside they're getting them from the inside but you know how do you get people to feel better about themselves and um i think it really comes down to parents in this case particularly men spending more time with their kids mm. and it doesn't have to be doing much of anything it can be just sitting with them mm. but i i think that if if parents, if parents, if, if dads can spend a little bit more time with their kid every day, then those kids grow up, both sons and daughters, feeling a little bit better about themselves. And I think if they feel a little bit better about themselves, they're not as competitive. They're not as likely to be harmful to others. They're a little less, um, they're a little less inclined to be hurtful to others, uh, and to themselves, you know, um, but you know, that's your life's mission, you know, and, and no, there's nothing more important than, than I think people feeling better about themselves. Cause I think that will be reflective in how they treat others.
0: I really love that. You know, the, the simplicity of kind attention, empathetic attention to you, to the children, to the boys in this world is the way we can shift. Just
1: a little bit. Yeah, it's not that complicated. It's not easy. But, I mean, I know myself. As, as much as I try to be the best parent I can, I need to spend more time with my kids. You know, I just came from a conversation with my 24-year-old daughter who uh, shares your birthday, as you well know. Yes. And just spending, you know, some time with her and truly listening, it's not— the naturally easy thing to do. It it takes some patience. It takes some attentiveness that that you have to work on. So it's not hard. I mean, it's not, I don't know, it's, it's, it's not complicated, but it is hard.
0: Well, it, it, you know, I really appreciate that because your brain, your ego, your sense of self wants to offer her things or wants to ask her a ton of questions or fix it for her or make her life easier. And instead what you're saying is, I just need to listen.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I need to trust her.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I need to be empathetic in nature. And that's not what my ego wants to do. Exactly. And now I'm stuck between my
1: (laughs) head and my heart. Exactly. And trust your heart. Yeah. Um, You know, I I think one of the phrases that I use with my kids that I try not to be flip about it, but... um, I often say, well, I'm really interested to see what you're going to do about that. Yeah. You know, and it's, I learned it somewhere. It sounds kind of trite and sort of fabricated, but it's really empowering because they say, so you're not going to fix it. I go, no. So you're not going to give me advice. No. And it—and the Im- implication there is that they have the power, they have the ability to figure it out themselves. And, and so they think, oh, well, if dad thinks I can do it, I must be able to do it. So it's. It's, but it's hard because as a parent, you think you know and and I definitely think I know and, and, and my <laughs> wife reminds me that I don't always know. You know she reminded me a few years ago that everybody thinks they're right and I thought oh, I thought I was the only one that thought I was right <laughs> um, But've you know I've sort of developed a healthy sense of um, I don't know if perspective is the right word, but I've started to realize that um, I don't always believe what I think anymore. and I used to always believe what I thought. Um, but it's, it's really helpful for me to have that perspective when I'm talking to really anybody, but particularly my kids, because I do believe that they know, they might not know they know, but somewhere in their, not in their, necessarily in their head, but in their heart, they do know what's right. And they'll figure it out. And they won't figure it out if I tell them how to figure it out, but they'll figure it out if they feel empowered, uh, and have the time, the space to get quiet and listen to what, they're feeling. Uh, And if they not only get quiet and hear it, but they also have to have the ability to trust what they're hearing. But I I do believe that people do know what they need to do. That there's a place inside them that knows how to be kind. Absolutely. Because I think that, you know, I don't mean to be polyamorous, but I believe that's the human condition that people, I mean, you look at children when they're infants, they're not competitive. They're not, sexist, they're not unkind, they share, you know, so as parents, we're teaching, we're creating a culture that's teaching kids to be less than, and it's so unfortunate because they have all the potential in the world to be, you know, fully functioning, healthy, uh, kind people.
0: And I I loved when you said, you know, I don't want to be flippant, but the question really is, what are you going to do with that? right. Because what it says is, I trust your inner wisdom.
1: Absolutely, Stephen.
0: And if I trust that, then I'm saying that you are full.
1: Absolutely.
0: And then I don't have to worry about whether you are kind to yourself because you're full.
1: Exactly.
0: And that, as a father or as a a man in the culture that's trying to help boys and men become good fathers or become good mentors for good coaches you're trying to say always. I don't know. Exactly. You know.
1: Yeah, and <laughs> it's so empowering.
0: Well, it says I believe in you absolutely, and that's what you were trying to say to that 19-year-old when you were sitting in the room on, in the in the um,
1: Mercy room, Hospital,
0: or, right? In the Mercy Hospital, was that you know you're here. Absolutely, there's a piece of wisdom here.
1: He cares. He cares enough to show up because he cares enough for his unborn child or for his girlfriend, the mother of his, of his child. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was so uplifting on one level because he was there asking for help, but it was so discouraging, as I mentioned, because there were only eight people in the room, you know, where are the other 8,000 and, you know, kids, you know, or young adults having, having kids for the first time. And, Mm -hmm. And that's the challenge.
0: And that's where we'll probably end this. Sounds good. In the challenge. <laughs> Thank you so, so much for Thank this. Thank you, Stephen. And
1: I very much enjoyed it.
0: I really appreciate that as you move off, that you at least have this podcast as a reflection.
1: <laughs> I know. Hopefully it's going to be edited to my satisfaction. But I <laughs> got all the, you know, <laughs> things that I should have said, that didn't say or did say. Thank you
0: so, so much. And, and happy Father's Day.
1: Thank you. You as well.
0: Thank you for listening to today's conversation and I hope you enjoyed it. If you like what you hear, please consider subscribing to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you find your podcasts. I'd like to give a heartfelt thanks to all the contributors to Agape Inc. for their support in making this podcast possible. If you care to join us, please go to DignityMaine.com to get involved. Thank you. Thank you again for being here. And take good care.